Well, all right, welcome everybody. It is time for Tech 37, and today we are talking about this crazy notion many of you may have been pursuing already. This idea of virtual desktops in the cloud. Is that something you should be doing? Is that something you should be pulling back from? What is the current state of that VDI thing that we've talked about for years and many of you probably are successfully doing in many different ways or many of you may be frustrated with it and just be curious about what are the best routes to do next. We've got the right assembled experts with us today and we're excited to have them. In fact, I've actually been having quite a bit of fun with these guys. I think you're gonna enjoy them as well. Uh, this is Tech 37, your home for technology, education and collaboration. I'm your host, Rob Boyd, and I am ready to get on with this so I think it's time that we should meet our experts. Well, all right, guys, hopefully, ah, my echo's back. I'm just gonna call it out verbally just in case anybody's noticing. Apologize, we've been fighting this on, on my end. I think it's something I'm doing wrong. These guys are experts and they they're, uh, don't have control of the stuff I supposedly, I'm supposed to have control of, either way. Guys, I hope I didn't oversell you as experts, uh, but let's go around the world, around the around the room here and introduce everybody. Uh, I'll start at right above my head here. Jared, uh, do you mind telling us what you do for, you're all with Worldwide Technology, but what do you do and, and how would you distinguish yourself from these other fine gentlemen? Yeah, oh, you're on mute, maybe perhaps, Jared? First one out of the gate. It's not me, is it? I don't know, can you hear me? There we go. I think we got you now. First thing. No, that was Jared. Oh, I'm I'm speaking. Thank you for hear me. Yes, I can. Hear you. Go Sorry, first? Andrew, because I'm looking at my camera. This is all. Well, fine start. Andrew, go ahead and introduce yourself. Jared, we'll check back with you in a second. Yeah, since we got your audio, you're good to go. So my name is Andrew Reidner. I'm what they call a global technical solutions architect of worldwide technology on the global engineering team. A lot of acronyms there. Um, we are all end user computing specialists. We focus on the entire digital workspace. So that would be virtual desktops, um, uh, and unified endpoint management, uh, identity and access management, as well as cloud-based VDI, which we're here to talk about. I've been at WWT now for about 11 and a half years and um, you know, actually worked with Jared and, and Shad for many years now. Uh, total evangelism, and I guess what sets me apart from these guys is uh, not only am I in this role, but I also am a VMware certified instructor, so I actually teach Horizon and I teach uh, Workspace ONE classes for them. But I'm not just a VMware fanboy, I also talk about other things. Just going to get that, yeah. But you're knowledgeable is what you're saying. Um, I pretend to be. I hope that sometimes I come across as it. There's always surprises that come out, but I, I do my best to stay up on the technology. Well, that's why we have the rest of these uh, experts with us as well. We balance each other out because we're supposed to keep me honest as well. Jared, looked like you had to drop off for a second. I hope everything's okay. Can we hear you now? Yes, I hope so. Yes, uh, we can. Had, Tell us who you are. Uh, I had to reset there. Uh, nothing yeah. like uh, technology. It, that, definitely, that's what keeps us all in business here, is working through the nuances. Mm. Uh, but you know, as for myself, uh, you know, I've been here with Worldwide Technology for 12 years now, working for the as a technical solution architect for our end user computing practice, and. Uh, I really just honestly, it's such a great group that we all learn and uh, from each other, teach each other things. It is really in terms of the things that set me apart is um, really I'm the only one that's I'm the longest one that's been here out of the group. Otherwise, I am just absolute honored to work with the, these two members of my team. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Andrew's shaking his head. He's not sure about the whole honoring thing, I'm guessing. 
Opera that may have first come up. Well, we'll have this. We'll clear this up because Father Time Shad here is going to tell us exactly what we need to know. But Shad, do you mind introducing yourself? I'm having fun at your expense. <laughs> sure, Shad Williams. I'm a global solutions architect, along with Andrew and Jared. I guess you know, other than that, I have complete gray beard status for everything and user computing at this point. Um, I'm the relative new guy to the team, so I actually do all the work, and they get all the glory. Okay, I think we've, we've, we've set the tone for the room here, guys. I like the way this is going already. Um, well, uh, we've, got, we've got Jared on tech support, so we got that going for us. Uh, you know, so, I mean, what else could we worry about? Well, guys, let's start with this notion, and I'm going to just kind of throw it out. I'll tell you what, I'm going to start with Jared at this first, just to kind of bounce this around. But as always, you guys uh, definitely want you to jump in. But I kind of tease that we're talking about, of course, well, tease, but we're here to talk about desktops and what's the reality of, of whether you should be looking at the cloud. Some people would say absolutely yes, and they've jumped off and could be very successful. Some others, you know, maybe not so much. But Jared, how do you, how can you kick us off with kind of understanding the state of where these things are right now? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's been a, a common, you know, comment for us for the last couple, even years now that we're in the decade, if not the decades of EDI at this point, we've, we've been doing it for a long time. There's a lot of things that we've learned that works and more anything else, we've learned a lot more that doesn't work. And really where the, the current state is, is we've seen a tremendous amount of innovation in the space uh, driven over not only the past few years, but especially over the last 18 months, that has really pushed a lot of what we're traditionally uh, challenges for a lot of use cases to ones right to the forward that now we can support those users in more ways than ever. The The drawback of all this innovation is we're really seeing, to be honest, there's more ways to do it and more ways to solve a problem. We've went from just a few uh, large uh, OEMs to there's many different niche players in it that we have to and our, our customers are being bombarded with on a daily basis. Yeah, that's interesting. It's this whole thing of choice uh, and such. Um, so, Andrew, I'm curious, it, it, do you feel like uh, that the, the, we have both the benefits and the curse of too many options, too many choices to choose from, and so it is dip more difficult to make the right decision? Is that uh, reasonable to put that forth? Well, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you go back five or six years, and the major two or three VDI vendors out there only did the VDI portion. So there was this whole ecosystem of partners around them that did every other piece like profile management and application virtualization and all of these things. And our conversations used to be about how to integrate all of those in. And then it simplified down. And then a bunch of other companies decided to do VDI then. So now we're getting into more of a discussion where it's like, okay, now we've got these couple of vendors that we've always talked about, these other new ones that have come in. It got simpler, then it got more complex, I guess, is the answer I'm, I'm trying to give you. Um, and now it's like we're here to talk about cloud. It's not just on-premise anymore and what hardware should you choose. It's now well, which cloud provider should you choose? Should you even go into the cloud and that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I think that's definitely where I want to go because it sounds like there are some, if I'm, if I'm just, because, of course, we've talked before this as we were in preparation, so hopefully I'm not mixing in too many things. But I think in general, you guys are pro for for pushing that envelope, but you're also uh, counseling that, that the considerations for your everything from your reasons why to exactly how much or what it is you're specifically trying to accomplish feels like it comes up. But Shad, I wonder if you could kick us off in terms of what are the considerations? Um, how do we start considering where that balance is and what type of things should be taken under consideration? 
Well, we're very pro doing the right thing for the right reasons. Um, and we're very pro not violating the spandex principle of just because you can, you know, it doesn't mean that you should. Um, you know, the cloud is, can be a fantastic option, but it may not be the right one. And so what we've always maintained is that we need to do really good, you know, assessments up front. We need to understand the users and the applications and the use cases to see what makes sense. Let's really make sure that we understand the requirements, you know, and we're not just, you know, kind of throwing things over the fence to cloud and, you know, praying to the computing gods that it's all going to work out magically because it just never works like that. Uh, have right, you guys been seeing in. that? Yeah. Go ahead. That in. Like in the old VDI world, if, if, if you're somebody listening to this and you've done VDI on-premise, you would know the need to have designed it well. Just because you're moving to the cloud does not forgive the, the, the point where you have to design it well up there. If you don't design it well on-premise, it will fail. If you don't design it in the cloud well, it will fail. So it's about are the use cases right, and then are you designing it correctly before you're ever going to get a successful VDI operation either on-prem or in the cloud. So what's the right way to think about it in terms of uh... – you know, because we sometimes we oversimplify things in our business between whole industries, like everyone in government should do this or something. But when you look at the workloads, it's probably being my guess it may be a better way to start to to differentiate. You know how you might modularize or be thinking about what is a candidate for doing something versus not. But I'm curious too. I mean, when you talk about on-premise VDI from the historical sense versus what's capable from the cloud sense. Um, Mixing in the workloads, choose. You can answer this question however you want. If I ever get the question out, but uh, what is, what what needs to be thought? Are, are they comparable? Is it the exact same considerations and and thought processes there, or does it need to be something different because it's a different set of challenges? Well, it all comes down to use cases as the starting point. Right? Okay, use cases. Um, what are the users trying to do? And that's that's the same for anything. But if the use cases are somebody's on-premise and they're trying to get to resources on-premise through a desktop, then it's probably not a good idea to send them up to the cloud to go back down. If they are, if there's stuff in the cloud already, that's the majority of their workload or a good portion of their heavy lifting is in the cloud, then it might make a lot of sense, especially if they're a remote user or they're a contract user or something like that to push them up to the cloud because yes, you do get the, you don't have to deal with some of the on-premise stuff anymore you, you get to move things into a different type of data center with automation that gives you a lot of flow and flexibility. The cloud starts to make a lot more sense for the different types of workloads. So everything in VDI needs to start with use cases and then design, as we were saying. Yeah, and from a design perspective, you really have to design from the user back to the resources, wherever those resources yeah. are going to be. And, and that's a major sin that we've seen committed time and time again with VDI is that many times the initiatives came from the server group or they said, well, this is the cluster, this is the hardware that I bought. Now go make it fit your use case and try and shove all those round pegs into my shiny square hole. If you design it right from the user back to the resources, that will make itself evident. What kind of resources would be a good fit and where's the best place to put that? But if you're trying to drive this as a server infrastructure team centric kind of initiative, it doesn't matter where the hell you put them. It's still going to suffer. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think Chad brings up a good point, and it's even been compounded where I was saying, you know, in the past, you know, 18 months have been driven to companies needing to adopt new technologies. We found a lot of them just completely forego the 
you know, trying to analyze what the users need versus just giving them something to get enough to get their job done, whether or not it's at the full capacity that they had before. And so that's where we're really seeing is now kind of that shift of stopping and actually putting the focus back on the user of saying, not just can I get the user working, but can I get them working at the most optimal to do their job? Well, so what is, if we were to peel back and maybe this is the way I got through school, but look at the answer book, what would you highlight as maybe some of the right combinations of, uh, of user locale and workload or, or whatever it may be that you go, oh, these particular combinations of, uh, that you're trying to accomplish should be considered because you, you know, you're pro for that potentially happening versus the other extreme, which would be, well, I think we know the, I remember when you brought this up, I'm like, I'll just call this one out, but graphics or anyone that's doing heavily intensive processing where they need the, the processing right on with the data. Like I deal with video quite a bit. I would not want, um, you know, unless that was the workflow required. Cause I know film crews are really pushing this capability, but yeah, what would you say is the easy stuff that people should be using? Um, this cloud-based virtual desktop infrastructure, what should, who should be looking at it if they're not paying attention to it now? Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of, we can always use our two favorite words as it depends. It's going to vary between the customers, but we've got, there's a lot of use cases that more often than not really can drive a lot of, you know, both financial and business operation value uh, for our customers is anywhere, you know, where you're shipping a user, a device, uh, particularly if they're not an employee. So contractors are always a great use case uh, to use virtual desktops as long as, you know, similar to what we said, as it depends if that data, if they're not, you know, real heavily on the content, you know, where their backend data is. It also works really good for businesses that have a real cyclical uh, business where they need to ra rapidly ramp up during a short period. Um, and one of the best use cases, I would say almost, you know, almost all the time that's going to be a good use case is just for DR, the ability to be able to leverage the cloud in the event of a disaster to be able to scale there for a short period. Well, a lot, I, of, the, a lot of the customers we talk to, they're either, they're either looking at this, uh, some of them, if they're smaller shops, they're looking at just doing BDI in the cloud because the cloud is the cool thing and they don't want to invest in the infrastructure. There are others that uh, are, have an existing BDI on-premise and they're either doing acquisitions or they're cyclical, like Jared said, and they're looking to burst into the cloud. So instead of having a bunch of hardware sitting there waiting for the once a month or, or, or once two months out of the year for a seasonal thing, they don't need to invest in that. And so there's a lot of reasons for that. And then like Jared said, DR, why are you keeping a separate uh, coop site or DR facility just for BDI when you could have the cloud be that DR site? Now, I'm not saying that customers should not put their primary BDI in the cloud. It's just maybe somebody wants to step in a little by little, and it makes a lot of sense. Well, and I don't think I'm surprising anybody that there's been this strange worldwide, what was it, pandemic, I think is the word that's been tossed around. Um, you know, and, and it's changed Never the way, of course, we're all working. And, and we keep thinking we're done. Uh, but I think what we've all kind of resolved us for, I think we've all stopped saying, we're looking forward to the new normal or the getting back to something. This is the something. We're in it now. This is what we have to prepare for. But it's but it, we've had the grandest examples of the need to be prepared for flexibility. And it feels like what you guys are also saying here, when you say everything from DR to specific workloads, that there are some good answers for, for what could be done here when it's planned correctly. So if we're planning that correctly, I think you brought this up on a previous one, you guys hit me with, I was like, I love this, but the, uh, the security and compliance type aspects, especially like if Jared's saying contractors are good for this, I would think that it's also good because you can, you got a lot more control 
uh, over how you onboard or create people and such like this. What, whoever wants to jump in on this one, we were talking about different ways of getting expanding your employee count and um, and things like this using these type of solutions and preparing for that in advance. What was that? If you guys remember what I'm talking about. Well, before we started that, I'd like ago. to say that when this thing COVID started. A lot of our customers came to us and they're like, look, we don't have a solution for this. Our VPNs are overloaded or our VDI isn't stacked up for this. Let's go to the cloud. And we had to hit the pause button on them. Go, Wait, you haven't designed any of this. They thought it would be a quick move into it and it wasn't. And so we sometimes delayed that project or had to work with them through it and get to there. And then, as you said, sometimes security becomes a big deal. The compliance people, the IT ops uh, people, aren't necessarily ready to move these sensitive things up into the cloud. And that can become a bit of a stopgap or a slowdown until you reach those levels of security up in there. Gotcha. They can be done. It's just a matter of, it takes time. Yeah. No, thank you for saying that. And I think it's good. You're putting the gauntlet down. Just make sure it's clear to everybody out there. If I, watching this broadcast, am looking for a partner that's just going to do what I ask them to do and not propose anything different or try to give me advice or something, you may not be the right partner to work with. Let's just go ahead and call that out. You're, you're, you guys have opinions about how this should be done. Yeah, I don't think any of the three of us on this team are At least not you three. Okay, that's fair. Absolutely, you should totally do that. <laughs> was it Jared or Shad that, that, that was also trying to respond to that last long-winded question of mine? Um, I'll say it was longer than 20 seconds ago, but now I have to think about it. Um, you know, part of what we see also, you know, you mentioned in terms of like being able to, you know, really kind of help facilitate growing the business. You know, we've seen dissolution of the data center perimeter, but now what we saw with the pandemic is really kind of for companies that have embraced it, a dissolution of the hiring perimeter. You know, no longer are they constraining their hires to geographic certain locations where they have facilities. And what does the cloud do fantastically at? It's available almost everywhere, and you have a lot of regionalization of data centers because you still want to keep users and data and resources close together. But now I can expand multinational because my cloud providers are going to have regional facilities. So now all of a sudden, my I've removed borders, you know, that have been keeping my business in, and I can just grow it more and more. And the cloud can be a great tool for that, and VDI on top of the cloud, even more than to really help facilitate that. Uh, I think he's muted. Oh, I think we, now you're muted. I'm yeah. muted. I was like, is Jared <laughs> muted? I was, Jared, I, I, did you want to comment on that one? or? I no, know. I was just commenting that you were on mute. <laughs> gotcha. Well, and, and the thing that, I, that had struck me before, and it's probably old news to everybody here, but it, I just thought this was great because uh, I, I was sent a laptop from a vendor I'm working with as far as, you know, being that's the way I'm accessing their network. But we had kind of talked about the notion of, well, maybe you don't send hardware out in many situations, yet you're able to resource uh, new employees or, or, or especially when it comes to temporary or contract workers, as you mentioned earlier, Jared. Um, but I love the idea of maybe not even sending the hardware out, yet giving them if they've got their own hardware or sending a lighter, cheaper version of a hardware that isn't um, as expensive or you're not, you know, having to spend so much money on assets that are, you know, running around the world, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I like those assets. I was going to say, yeah, that's absolutely one of the, the best, you know, it's one of the higher use cases where I say, if I'm trying to get my most value out, it is not only am I not having that much, 
cost of shipping devices. But you know, let's be honest, how many of those devices either don't come back or come back in a broken form or, you know, and to be honest, the other one is the loss of productivity that you lose, you know, between those versus instantly being able to get workers up and working. Yeah. And you made the key point though. It was not just instantly on, but it's also instantly off. Uh, you know, it just reminds me of the old security discussions where we, we first, we want to encourage people to establish rights and roles and, and segmentation and such, which is still, it feels like a very difficult road to travel for many. Um, because it just has to be more simple than it's been historically. But then it's also all being on top of the fact that if you're not in the directory, you immediately have all your resources revoked. And that includes desktops and any type of normal, because that's what you need to do to make sure your data is in the right location and that it's not accessible by the wrong people. Um, accidentally COVID, kind of brought up, COVID kind of talk, brought up what we've always been talking about for a long time, which was BYOD, bring your own device. And with COVID, they had to, a lot of companies had to deal with the reality of that. They couldn't find the laptops to send out to everybody who was normally working in the office. So they had to embrace that. And VDI, whether it was on premise or in the cloud, became a great way to not put any data at rest on their personal devices, not worry about the security posture of their personal devices, but still get into a secure desktop that was there. And then the cloud just enables you to be able to ramp that up and and not have to maintain all of that server and networking and uh, storage capabilities in your localized data center. Boy, it, yeah, we all learned if we had the right disaster recovery plans in place and if we had accurately tested, you know, about the volume that everybody was forced to grapple with suddenly in a lot of positions that theoretically should be able to work remote, but yet it becomes a completely different reality when you actually have to do it and you're not doing it with a test team at first, you're doing it with your entire workforce um, yeah. to kind of keep the wheels on. But, and I'm curious, where do you say customers are right now with regards to, I, I, I assume there's some that, that made a huge jump and perhaps they learned a lot and it's been painful that they're in this process of trying to figure out what the right balance is for them or, or uh, did people hold back and listen to your advice perhaps if they bothered to ask? I'd say we're really seeing it kind of across the gamut. You know, there's the customers that just fully embraced it, moved all their users to it, whether or not by choice or forced to it either way, um, you know, took advantage of it. Then there's the customers that just try to rapidly expand their on-prem one uh, kit, or even some of them just put in other, you know, temporary solutions, but now they're having to really evaluate, is this going to be temporary any longer? I'd say what we're really seeing, you know, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is really putting the, the view back on the user. Are we providing the right user experience? And what do we need to do to measure that? You know, anywhere from, you know, even customer surveys to are we monitoring so that we know what's going on? Are we getting proactive where if we see that a user's, um, you know, maybe their applications are crashing, are we fixing it? Down to, are we actually maybe putting the tools in that says if the user's own personal Wi-Fi is not working properly? Do we see high latency? Do we go ahead and take action on that saying, hey, by the way, you know, you're going to have, you're having some performance impacts and we think, you know, we might know why, you know, either. So it's really putting that back now, I think, on the user of trying to say, hey, are we giving them the best experience to be the most productive? User experience has become a, a new term that a lot of companies are embracing. Even like some of my customers that couldn't have cared less and were all security-based before, like some of my financials, suddenly have discovered they sent people home and, and end user experience actually matters because now you have the VP of whatever who's working at home and the security department, which used to be like, no, 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 suddenly has to go, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. And to go back to that point, 
which ones jumped into the cloud and which ones didn't. It was customer by customer, choice by choice, but it was also sometimes industry. Sometimes banking was not going to put things in the cloud. Sometimes uh, healthcare was not going to put things in the cloud, but then manufacturing and insurance and others were happy to jump in there. And, and we're seeing the migration. Some of them have had to do a longer look because they have more security things they have. I tell you what, I want to go around the horn. I'm going to start with Shad here, and then but we'll go uh, back around to get everybody's opinion on this exact same question. But what are the things, Shad? Let's starting with you that you would highlight as as important to to consider. Some of you may have already mentioned, and that's fine. But what what do we really need to understand about the big things that should be planned for, and we should be thinking about with the questions we ask of ourselves or our organizations? Uh, and just assume that, that we're going into this and we're saying, I want to take advantage of everything there is, but not too much. Uh, you know, I want to do it safely and properly. What things do you tend to highlight at the top of your list? Um, you know, we really focus, again, those very user-centric, you know, data points that we gather. You know, we really do want to do data by design and make sure we're designing the right way from the user back to the resource. Um, we also want to make sure that we're playing to the strengths of a given platform, um, you know, and identifying well, where is cloud really strong? What does it bring that you need to the party? Do you have certain use case requirements, for example, that you have to manage down to the IOP, down to the you know, megahertz of CPU utilization? You're not going to be able to do that in the cloud. You know? So is that a consideration? Um, where are the users located? Are we going to have to worry about network egress costs if we move our virtual desktops into the cloud because it's all transmit traffic from the virtual desktop to the endpoint? It's just kind of the beginning, but again, the fun, the foundation doesn't change, you know, if it's on-prem or in cloud VDI, the keys to success are really the same. I gotcha. And it's interesting because you, as usual, you're usually bringing up stuff. I'm like, oh, I need to think all the way down to the IOPS level. But now that you've said it, it makes complete sense, even mm -hmm. though I hadn't. I didn't have that on my list. Uh, Andrew, let's build on that a little bit or, or, or qualify it further. What type of things uh, do you disagree with anything Shad said that we need to correct for the record? Uh, or where would you go with well, that? I don't disagree. I, I think it, the first question you have to ask yourself is, is are you already in the cloud? What's your premise there? I wouldn't suggest just throwing VDI in the cloud as your first okay. piece of that is the right move. Because as I said, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do that if you don't have all the networking set up, if you haven't thought about where the users are compared to their data. One of the promises of VDI was we put the desktop next to the data. So then we just give you a display protocol. Well, before that we had client servers. So if you have a long distance, if you're just doing a different kind of client server where the user's going to remote protocols into the cloud and then they're doing a long latency driven, low bandwidth connection down to their data, that may not be the right solution for you. So maybe you need to think about moving more workloads into the cloud before you go and do your desktops. Um, you know, again, piggyback off of Shad's, what's the use cases? What are you trying to accomplish? How granular do you have to be in your details? And then as we dig deeper, then it's like, which cloud do you even choose, right? There's several different cloud offerings and there's different capabilities inside of those clouds. Some of them are more of an infrastructure as a service offering. Some of them like uh, the Microsoft one are more of a, a platform as a service kind of thing or a true software as a service platform area that has other options that are very specific to them. You know, who is your cloud provider? Will that work for your use case? There's a lot of things like that. Yeah, and that, that's a great point because it, it I think we, I, I fall into this trap of, you know, thinking of it very binary, you know, cloud or on-premise. And obviously it's more than that. And, and you talk about different cloud capabilities and having a knowledge and it changes, 
because what was what one cloud infrastructure and some of which it's not always just the big three there's uh, there's a huge amount of medium players that do some very specialized very good things and i would assume you guys in the right situations and depending on what someone needs would make a recommendation that this is not all about using one cloud versus another cloud it's about what are your needs and whether or not it matches up correctly with what's being established what your everything from your budget you know to your expectations i guess but Jared, did they leave you anywhere to go? What else would you highlight? I gave you the most difficult position to follow up. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, I love working with these guys because, you know, they, they really did bring them all out. I would say, you know, the number one thing they both hit on is is making sure that you've got your, what is the, understanding your users and mapping that network path for that user from the data, because it's going to impact things like Shad said, your egress costs, it's going to impact the performance of that end user is, you know, if I've seen number one, my number one, you know, considerations are is, of course, which cloud are we going to put you in? But from there, one of my first things I'm trying to do is map where is that data going? Where's it coming from? Where's it going? How are those users accessing it? Because, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to put those desktops closer to the user. And if I can and improve the experience, I will. But at the same time, sometimes it even makes sense to put them farther away. Um, and then, you know, also the always the question, you know, sometimes is to be honest, is should we put those users into a virtual desktop in the cloud or should we actually manage them on a physical device with like unified endpoint management? Or should we put their virtual desktop in the in the, our own data center? There's there's a lot of what ifs. So really it's persona and network, if I had to pick the two okay. these guys have mentioned. And so I would assume Something that everything you guys are, of Jared yeah. is yeah, is the cost of it, right? Yeah. Different clouds on premise, there's different cost models with all of these and does the customer really understand the cost ramifications of this cloud versus this cloud and on-premise versus this, or just shipping them a laptop that's locked down with UEM or something like that. There are different cost models and all of this has to be factored in because I don't know many customers that literally want to waste money. And so it's about yeah. how do we do it right? Yeah. And we're starting to see some examples even of expatriation, you know, people who went to the cloud in that tactical throw something against the wall and hope it sticks because I need to send my employees home this afternoon right. to now the first year of renewals are coming around and suddenly they're looking at it and is this what they were expecting? Get smarter, you know, did they do the good due diligence at the beginning or not? And we're seeing some people actually leaving. I didn't know you were allowed to leave. I thought once you... Once you check in, yeah. As you it should make it difficult. It is the Roach Motel of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the, the Hotel California references. I think are always great. Um, you know, because obviously we've all been through the sticker shock as well. So another good consideration, not just your data location, but it's like, uh, you know, if that's active data that, you know, you may be getting charged quite a bit for those as much as you need to move it around. And uh, that may need to be a consideration. Uh, well before these other things. So I know you guys offer the ability to, um, as a, I'm a customer, we've got some links that should be around the video or they will, um, in the comments section, uh, please ask for this if you haven't got it already. But uh, a customer can engage with you guys. If they're looking at this, and I don't know if it's you guys specifically, I wonder if you could comment on this. If we wanted to come in and ask these type of questions and being able to then say, this is how we understand our current situation and you know to allow you to dig in further uh is that is this the kind of stuff we've discussed is this kind of what you want to know first and then you start going deeper to be able to provide advice that may even be beyond vdi i would imagine as well yeah absolutely, absolutely. we've got a methodology that you know we usually depending on how far along the customers are very often we start with a briefing of just kind of getting to know each other doing that speed dating getting to know <laughs> this is how wwt looks at the industry computing world this is where you're at 
And from there, we usually do a deeper dive workshop where we try to actually, you know, start diving into what are some of the use cases, what could a success story, you know, for that customer themselves if they went through a transformation look like. And out of there, usually our next steps are either usually are targeted towards some sort of assessment because similar to Shad said is we want to do our design based on data. We don't want to, you know, pick the numbers out of the air. And so usually we'll look at those assessments and start, you know, actually creating a roadmap for the customer of success based on where yeah. they need to go. Well, one thing that but just to comment on, and this is something I've picked up through multiple Tech 37 episodes and with your peers that are experts in other areas, but we've talked about here about you guys have um, a constantly evolving set of tools that I think you collectively refer to as kind of as a maturity assessment to kind of help people plot their capability as a company for absorbing the technology maybe they're trying to take on. I love that whole concept that you guys have taken on, and it reminds me of another one that really impressed me that we haven't talked about here, but it was this uh, a tools assessment and that you're very conscious of of being aware of what a customer already has or already has invested in, because you mentioned knowing what clouds they're potentially already in, but you're doing that not you're doing that so that you can make better advice about getting better utilization out of what they have, and you have a pragmatic, logical approach to being able to do that, because a lot of times on the customer side, just depending, and not everybody's different, but this stuff can feel overwhelming. You've got so much input from the executive team, you've got goals that it feels like we can't meet, and the environment that we're all working within feels like it's under constant change. Uh, in the middle of all that. And it, it, it feels like a safe place in a storm to be able to reach out, get a briefing with you guys to begin asking some questions. We joked about this earlier. Uh, I'm not sure that you're formally offering therapy, uh, but I think that should be included. So I'm going to keep pitching for it. Um, just because the whole notion of uh, helping me relieve anxiety with, with what you can offer and educate, lower my lower my temperature and of how we're dealing with this. I think that's valuable stuff. But to a, to a certain extent, maybe you're kind of already doing it. Well, Shad, Shad does have a psychology degree, so he's the right one to call. Perfect. That explains that's that right. wisdom. Yeah, I, just, I look at you, I think. You touches his beard, you're like. That's right. Well, the thing is, we've all been there. I mean, we've all worked at places, you know, we've all been part of departments where there's the tool shelf of shame that you bought <laughs> thinking it was going to be the silver bullet. It's and then it turned out not to be or it was too hard to implement. And so then you sat it on the shelf. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of end user computing related technologies end up on the shelf of shame. Uh, I love so, that so we've been there. We get it. You know, what do you but, call the overlap? You know, That's the other one I was thinking of. Is I always feel like I get I get analysis paralysis in, in my own little world of, and I know most of my tools probably, I'm like, what's the best tool for this? And I end up with a new plugin, a new tool, a new relationship, and I'm like, I know I'm not getting the best out of this because I didn't bother to learn how the last one worked. Anyway, that's another issue. Yeah. We'll bring yeah. up on another call. Lots of customers have redundant tools and they don't look at any of them and they really need to understand which ones are important. Yeah. At the end of the day, we've got to get stuff done for our shareholders, our stake, stakeholders, the whole bit. Uh, keep things moving forward. Keep our sanity. And uh, thankfully, everyone watching, hopefully everyone watching this is in a good place and they're dealing okay with all the inevitable economic changes and such. Uh, we're always here to help wherever we can. Guys, is there anything else that we need to mention? I'm going to uh, put up, I'll say it verbally now, but I'll have a little thing on the graphic here at the end. Uh, but one of the things we suggest you do uh, when you're watching this, we always suggest that you join the platform at www.t.com. Uh, there's a ton of resources. It's, it's a little bit of a social platform, although I, wouldn't, I don't mean to, I don't want to demean it in any way, but the, the benefit of actually registering and joining is you can get notifications of events that are in the, in the zone or in the lane that you're interested in, like working with these guys. But the other thing you can do, and actually you probably don't have to register completely for this, but just search. Go in there in the search bar, and if you search end-user computing, you'll come across a wealth of resources, this show being one of them, I think. 
uh, if you want to go back and take better notes. Um, but also, you know, the ability to access these guys, tell them they did a good job, the ability to look at articles that they're taking part in writing. I really love the education focus uh, and the lab access that goes along with that because you don't have to be in St. Louis uh, or anywhere else physically to take advantage of the labs that these guys are constantly building so that you can get your hands on the tools that they may have mentioned or ask specific questions or just get a little bit more familiar with how things work together, which is always a huge issue. But um, uh, with that, before we go, guys, anything else we need to close this out? I sure appreciate your time. This has been awesome. Everybody good? Uh, that's a, that's a yeah, quorum. Yep. Thank I think you so much for the time. Well, awesome. I apologize for the the little sound echoes. I'm assuming everybody's hearing that because it's driving me nuts. Uh, but if you've stuck through watching this, many, many thanks for, for putting through it. I hope the information outweighed the, the audio echoes. Uh, but either way, thank you for joining us. And guys, please enjoy the rest of your day. Y'all take care.